0: for 20% off your first system.
2: I was showing in my portfolio what I actually wanted to shoot, you know, which was weddings and actually, you know, weddings primarily of people of color, you know, because at the time and even still now, I feel like it's very underrepresented and something that is not seen or not represented like in a beautiful, beautiful way. And I always was getting upset as far as, you know, when I would see anyone, you know, with any kind of melon and not being photographed correctly or being photographed too dark or too bright. So I really took that to heart and you know, kind of made that my passion as far as my style of photography.
3: You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikaela Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey, guys, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have our first ever photographer. Her name is Amy Anais, and she is a New York City-based intimate editorial wedding and portrait photographer. Her professional journey began as a talent agent for New York City's top still life and beauty photographers, where she learned the ins and outs of advertising and commercial photography. While representing these top talent photographers, Amy masterfully integrated this knowledge and experience into her own business and refined her skills as a photographer and was able to grow from side hustler to full-time entrepreneur. Today, her work has been featured in Inside Weddings, The New York Times, Brides, The Knot, Essence, Mutaluchi Bride, you name it. On today's episode, Amy shares how she carefully and thoroughly planned her journey from doing photography on the side to owning her own business. Let's get into it. Welcome to the guest chair, Amy. Hi. How are you? So tell us in your own words, who is Amy and how did you develop into this career path? Well, um,
2: hi, I'm Amy Anais. I am a creative. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. um, I'm a girlfriend. And I'm a lover of life. I truly, honestly, just love life, love people. And I think I became who I am and kind of my career kind of took the path that it did by just staying authentic to myself and authentic and true to the people around me.
3: Now, what did you go to undergrad for? Was it photography or was it something else?
2: Well, just a little bit more background about myself. I was born in New York, but I was raised in Miami, Florida. So that's pretty much where I say I'm always from. And my parents were doctors. So I didn't exactly come from a background of a lot of creativity. It was just, you know, a little bit more tactile at the house. But I don't know how I picked up a camera at first. But all I can remember is even through elementary school, I always had a camera in my hand. Um, When we went on school trips, on any activities, I was always the one that was snapping away. And I really found, you know, just some true enjoyment and just love of just capturing the moment and capturing the people around me. So when I got to high school, I decided to take a black and white photography class, you know, kind of just as an elective. It was my senior year. And I really fell in love, you know, with the development of pictures. And just there's something special that happens, you know, when you're in the dark room and you've taken these pictures and now you have to develop the film and you see that actual picture develop in the water or in the chemicals. There's just something just so magical about that. So I really fell in love with it. And I went home and I told my parents that I wanted to be a photographer. And they were like, well, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, (laughs) My parents are Caribbean. Um, um, They're from the Dominican Republic. So, you know, creative path wasn't exactly, you know what were taught or what they were taught. You know, you had to do something a little bit more like become a doctor or a lawyer, you know, something that was actually gonna make some money. So, you know, I got a little bit discouraged, but, you know, they said, you know, keep photography as a hobby, but, you know, really try to get a career in something, you know, that, you know, can serve you for the long run. Uh, so when I went to school, I went to the University of Central Florida. I went for advertising and public relations. Mostly because, again, I was always in love with photographs. So I really took a, you know, liking to fashion photography. And even though I didn't do the, the photography route at first, you know, doing the ad PR side, I felt like I was still connected to it in a way because I was still connected to the back end of it as far as what it took to, you know, get these campaigns out and running, you know, for different brands and all of that. So... All throughout college, as far as my freshman, my sophomore, my junior year, I was still always photographing. Like I was always the one to be known to have the camera. I was, you know, the photographer for the fashion club. When I pledged, I did all the photos for my sorority. So I was just always the go-to person um, for photos. All my jobs were photography-related. I worked at a photo studio. I worked um, at this um, photo booth on campus. It was just crazy as far as, you know, how in-tuned I was with it, but not realizing, like, hey, you know, you can really make some serious money on this because I still had, you know, that mindset that I had to do something, you know, professional and photography at the time to me didn't seem like it was a professional path. But my junior year, something clicked inside of me, um, kind of like how Oprah says that like aha moment. Yes. And I was like, what are you doing? You know, all the money that you're making is with photography. Like all my jobs were photography related. So why can't I really take this seriously and, you know, maybe think about having a career in it? But I was so far into my, you know, academic journey as, you know, where I was already with my advertising degree, that I decided to finish that up. And once I graduated, I took a semester off to really, you know, think about things um, and research if there was any photography schools nearby, you know, that I could possibly get some formal training uh, in photography. And luckily, there was a great school about an hour north of where I was. And I enrolled again, and I call it my master's, even though it's only um, an associate's degree. But to me, it was my master's, you know, because I actually went and I went to specialize in photography. So I did everything from black and white to color processing, large format. And I really, really refined my eye to everything that it was to taking a picture. And I'm actually quite thankful about that, you know, in retrospect, because I started it when I was older. So compared to my peers in my classes, they were all like these little 18 year old guppies. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And here I was, you know, frankly, one of the older students. You know, even though I was only 21 at the time, you know, I was one of the older students in class. But I was really thinking about this seriously. So while the other ones, you know, like kind of messed around and wasn't really taking things, you know, fully to heart, I was. I took advantage of every um, excursion that they had, every class talk that they had. And one of the speakers that came was actually, I think she was like a photo editor slash creative director. Her name is Amanda Sosa Stone, and she really was the pivotal moment of when I knew kind of the direction that I wanted to take in photography. And she was really one of the reasons why I moved to New York, because she was a photo editor up here and she started talking about the different facets of the environment of the photo world and whether it had to do with advertising, with PR, or you know, just photography in general. There were so many different avenues that you could go that I had no idea about. So I really started thinking about how I could merge my background in ad PR that I had already studied and now my love with you know my degree that I have in photography, how can I merge those things together? So I graduated and with a hope and a dream, $2,000 in my bank account, I moved to New York City.
3: Wow. Wait, can we just stop for a second? To- <laughs> no, this is great. So, you were taking this class while you were still in undergrad or like immediately after? Because you were 21. So, it seems like you were like going the extra mile to take extra classes outside of college.
2: Well, I had already, I graduated with my bachelor's Got um, it. Okay. and then I went back and I, you know, I call it my master's degree, but it was basically just another, uh, you know, associate's degree um, in photo technology. So it, I didn't have to do that. Like I didn't, I already knew how to, you know, use a camera. I knew how to take pictures at this yeah. point. You know, I was already making money, you know, taking photographs, but something in me, told me that I really needed to kind of take a step back and start at the basics. Once again, you know, start in that black and white class that in order for me to really be able to be the best of the best, you know, I really had to humble myself and kind of come back and, you know, start with everyone else. Yes, Like I didn't know how to use the camera and, you know, kind of take it from
3: there. And I'm really glad that I did it that way. It sounds like it was a really critical moment. And then you also said that, it was in that class that you decided the direction you wanted to go in. So is that the editorial and portrait direction or, you know, tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Well, um, after, you know, hearing her talk and, you know, she really got me inspired. I told myself, Hey, I want to be a fashion photographer. So I came to New York, like I mentioned, and I started looking into it and I looked into the agency side. So again, I mentioned I wanted to merge my, you know, my degree that I had in ad PR and as well as photography. So I was like, Hey, let me be smart about this. Let me try to get in as an agent, which means, you know, trying to um, be on the back end, like as far as, you know, a photography agent or a talent agent represents, you know, photographers, hair, makeup, stylists for booking them jobs for these ad jobs. Right. So I was like, let me get in that way, learn the ropes, learn kind of what the ins and outs are. And then, you know, as I'm starting to make a name for myself in New York and really, you know, refining myself and really, you know, creating a book and all of that, So I got an internship at a talent agency as a junior kind of photo assistant, I would say. And my job was basically to find the tears of these photographers that were represented in this agency and put it in their book. And by doing that, I got to see the work of so many different talented photographers here in New York City. And I was just so blown away by them. But I also got to see the nitty gritty of what it means to be a fashion photographer in New York or a photographer, you know, on that side in general. And I actually really got turned off from it. And the reason why is because it limited, in my opinion, what you could kind of do on set in the sense of when a client or brand hires you to take photos, you know, for them, say, you know, uh, Prada were to hire me to do a photo. They come with a very specific, you know, point of view. This is what they want. This is exactly what they're looking for. And at the time I found that really limiting because I couldn't, you know, express what I wanted or what I thought for a brand. So that's kind of what pivoted my direction as far as no longer really wanting to be a fashion photographer, but still wanting to capture people in a fashion-y kind of way, but in a real way. So that's kind of what segued me into becoming a wedding photographer.
3: Do you remember, like, once you got to New York, the first time you were hired to shoot a wedding, had you already decided to start this wedding photography business? Or was it like a friend? And did you kind of stumble into it?
2: Well, it was a friend. As I mentioned, my sorority was kind of my go-to when I was building my business, um, mostly because, you know, they're my sores. So they would hire me or like ask me to, you know, do their graduation pictures or their birthday pictures. So that's really where I got like my foot wet doing that. Um, And I really created a connection with them. And they trusted me, you know, with these precious moments. So it was actually one of my sorority sisters that hired me first to uh, photograph her wedding. And I really loved it. You know, there was something really special about capturing this intimate moment, you know, in their lives that, you know, for a lot of people, this only happens once in a lifetime. Some people, you know, two or three. Um, (laughs) But for most people, you know, that first wedding, you know, say, or the wedding is, you know, such a big moment in their lives. So it was an honor to me to be the one, you know, to capture, uh, to capture these moments. So that's pretty much how I started as far as who asked me to photograph their wedding. And then uh, my second wedding was actually shivering in my boots because it was actually a destination wedding uh, in Key West. And... I remember, you know, I had to get a second shooter and this was like the first time that, you know, it was really someone who wasn't, you know, a friend. This was like a real client. And it was a noon wedding, you know, in Key West, you know, high noon, the sun was blazing. And that creates a lot of, you know, any photographer knows that, you know, high noon is not the greatest time to <laughs> photograph people. Um, so it was a really tricky situation for myself, but um, I overcame it. And I think at that point, once I finished that wedding, I realized, OK, this is something that I can really take seriously and that I'm actually really good at and I should move forward with it.
3: Now, how long did you side hustle and continue to juggle this corporate world, plus what you were building on the side before you took the leap into entrepreneurship?
2: Wow, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like I mentioned, I moved to New York um, right uh, this summer, actually, is 10 years ago. So when I moved here, I got this internship um, at this agency. And it was an internship. I wasn't getting paid anything. So I had to look for a real job. And I actually found uh, another internship that was a paid internship with another agency, and it was a small boutique agency as well, and it was a woman owner, and she really took a liking to me, and when I told her about three months in, you know, hey, you know, I really love working here, I love being here, but I really need to find something, you know, that actually pays me because I need to, you know, start paying bills and stuff. At the point, I was, I can say, quote unquote, squatting on my aunt's couch. You know, I had to find an apartment and all of that. So I guess I had really proved myself to her. And, you know, I was this guppy straight out of college, um, didn't really have that much background in it, but she really took a leap of faith in me. And she actually hired me on as a junior agent. So I got my foot wet doing that. And I was with her for, you know, almost four years. And she was extremely amazing. And I would say, you know, working for her really put my path as far as fine tuning um, my style and fine tuning the cleanness of my images and just really being focused as far as one, how to deal with clients and two, what I'm delivering to my clients and making sure that my delivery is always consistent every single time, because that's how you command the dollars kind of thing, um, is being consistent. So when a client comes to you, it's them knowing and being secure that they are going to get what they're asking for, you know, and it's not just a gamble that, Oh, you know, today it's going to look like this tomorrow. It's going to look like that. So really being at that agency, you know, really helped me. So again, I was with her for about four years and then I moved on to another small boutique woman owned business um, or agency and I was with her for three years. So it was almost seven years that I hustled and I worked full time while building my own business. So it pretty much meant, you know, from... 10 to six, I was working at the agency and from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then from 6 p.m. to, you know, midnight, sometimes one, two, three in the morning, either I was shooting or editing and working on my own business. And I had given myself a goal once I got to the second agency because I already by that point knew that I did want to move on and have my own business and be my own boss. But New York is expensive as heck. So I knew that I needed to have something secure. You know, I needed to have that, you know, paycheck coming in to be able to pay all my bills. So I told myself, let's do this. Let's pay off all your debt because I had student loans and all of that. Once you do that, start saving up, you know, enough money so that if I didn't get another paycheck, you know, for five, six months, I would be okay as far as having money saved up. And the main goal was, is that once I started making more money with my side hustle than my main hustle, and yes. that was the thing. Go. So that's what I told myself. And that time came and it actually came at year six of working, um, with the agent, like in the agency world, And I told my boss, I was like, Hey, I love working for you. I love being here, but you know that I have my own business and I really want to start focusing on that and she begged me to stay um she asked you know she basically told me to command my salary of what i wanted <laughs> oh wow it was awesome you know cuz not many bosses do that you know so it really showed that you know she really valued um what i brought to the company but i told her that it wasn't about that it wasn't about the money um because i knew that i wanted to branch out and do my own thing so I told her, hey, it was time to go. She didn't want me to go. And I um, stayed with her actually for another about six to seven months until she was able to find another replacement for me because um, I was managing the New York office. And I took that leap and I left. And that was July 2015, I think it was. Wow. <laughs> so I've been fully, you know, hustling on my own for about three years now. And I can't say that I'll ever look back and work, you know,
3: I guess for the man. (laughs) ever. (laughs) Now, what was the biggest shift mentally once you were no longer doing this as a side hustle and this was now your full-time business?
2: Um, Mentally, it was okay. I didn't have anything else to fall back on. Having a, you know, a day job was always it was that cushion, you know, that I still had money coming in. So it didn't matter if I didn't get booked for something or, you know, if I didn't market myself um, because I always had money coming in. So that was the main shift that, you know, now I am my own bank account. So I, you know, have to depend on myself to bring in, you know, income to be able to sustain myself. So that was really, you know, the biggest shift. But I think that shift had already, one thing about myself that I can say is I always kind of prepare myself for, you know, the next journey that I'm gonna take. So when I had made the decision that I wanted to quit, you know, I still had almost a year, you know, till that actually happened. So I really mentally prepared myself, you know, for that time. And, you know, I made sure that my website was up to par, that I was going to different networking events that, you know, I was showing in my portfolio what I actually wanted to shoot, you know, which was weddings and actually, you know, weddings primarily of people of color, you know, because at the time and even still now, I feel like it's very underrepresented and. Something that is not seen or not represented like in a beautiful, beautiful way. And I always was getting upset as far as, you know, when I would see anyone, you know, with any kind of melanin not being photographed correctly or being photographed too dark or too bright. So I really took that to heart and, you know, kind of made that my passion as far as, you know, my style of photography. But yeah, so that was kind of like my mental my mental
3: shift. It certainly shows that you have committed to that style and to making sure that we show up correctly on our big days. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, it's Nikayla with a quick word from our sponsor. Okay, I have a side hustle hack for all to hear, and it's called Skillshare. You want to know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial. And my go-to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace. And how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp, all through Skillshare. And now, Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro to start your two months now. So let's talk about the shifts within the business now. What changes or what did you do to kind of up your game in addition to the networking and the website, now that this was your full-time business, did you start to hire staff or do anything just to make sure that you were bringing in that income?
2: Honestly, what I did was just try to streamline things and to make my client experience consistent. So one of the biggest things was getting like a booking software where, you know, it handled all my contracts, you know, my calendar, kind of keeping things together, uh, making sure that I had contracts in place, you know, to protect myself as well as my clients. I didn't hire staff because I couldn't afford staff, Um, but I did consistently hire a second shooter to come with me um, to different weddings, even though I am the main shooter. So it is my vision. Um, I did have a second shooter and I still do have a second shooter that comes with me to all my events just to make sure that I have a second set of eyes with me. And as you know, as things have continued to grow, I have, you know, now I have a full-time second shooter. I actually have a lighting assistant right now. Um, I'm actually looking to hire a full-time or part-time actually retoucher as far as to help me with all the retouching. So it's, it's been one of those things that I scale as I need help you know, I'm I'm a solo entrepreneur, you know, and Amy Anais photography is me, you know, nobody can really duplicate my eye. Um, And as much as I've tried to like train other, you know, uh, photographers under me, it's still my vision and clients hire me for me. So it's important that, When a client does reach out to me that they know that they're going to get, you know, the same level of love and attention that the last wedding got, you know, and that the wedding, you know, 10 years from now is going to get. So that's something that's really important.
3: Speaking of weddings and your vision, you have definitely built up a reputation and an awareness of the caliber of your work. How do you approach marketing now that it's such a crowded space with Instagram and there's so much competition What do you think you do differently to stand out?
2: Stay authentic. You know, I think that always I go back to that is staying authentic, you know, to myself and authentic to who my clients are. So I call myself an intimate editorial photographer. And by intimate, I mean that I actually really truly, when I'm photographing a client, I get in there with them, you know, like I, I'm not afraid to, you know, um, adjust the client's hair. Like I was shooting this morning and, you know, like her bra needed to be adjusted. So, you know, like I create this bond with my clients that they feel that intimacy with me, that I can kind of get in there, you know, adjust them real quick and they don't feel, you know, weird or, you know, like, Oh my God, she just, you know, adjusted my bra. It's kind of like, okay, she got the work, you know, got the job done. And I've built the reputation of being that way. So when a bride comes to me that, you know, has worked with a prior bride, you know, that's one of the main things that they say is that, you know, you really get in there the day of with us and you make us feel like your family, that you really care for us. Like they're one of my own kind of thing. So I think that that's something that, you know, has definitely, it's, it's something that that authenticity has created my brand. And when I post on Instagram, I think it's streamlined and it shows. So every picture is different. Every couple is different. Every location is different. But the intimacy and the authenticity is the same. So I think that that's like the fine tooth thread you know that goes through everything as well as you know the editing and the composure and the lighting and all of that of course that you know that stays consistent as well but I think the authenticity is kind of what brings it all together.
3: Have you ever had an experience where you know the photography the shoot was just so challenging that you didn't know if you could do it and then you were able to pull it off? Um yeah all the time actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's one that comes to mind?
2: Um, Most recently, I would say I shot a beautiful wedding in Jamaica and the couple, you know, it was a destination wedding for all of them, but the weather was just not cooperating and it was pouring the entire time. And... You could tell that the couple was trying to, you know, stay positive and all of that, but they were really, you know, disappointed with how the weather was turning out. So it was a really challenging um, situation for myself because they had, you know, invested all this money on this beautiful venue that the weather was not really letting them take advantage of. So. I was really worried because they had brought me on, you know, wanting, you know, these, you know, they had seen my work. They wanted, you know, these amazing, you know, um, images, you know, with the landscape behind and we couldn't go outside. We couldn't, you know, for the, at least for the first portion of the day, we couldn't do anything. So it was really challenging to be able to find a location and kind of keep calm on the inside, even though I was just like freaking out. Um, But be able to find a location that embodied what they were wanting, you know, but not what they had thought, if that made sense. So kind of thinking on my toes and just being assertive about it, because, you know, if I would have listened to the planner or, you know, just been very kind of lackadaisical about it and just did everything inside, then I think they would have really been disappointed with the images. But we found, you know, well, I found this balcony that, you know, had the mountains on the background, even though, you know, when you really look at the pictures, you can see that the rain's kind of pouring in. But they were just so appreciative, you know, afterwards when they got their photos because they were just like, wow, this really embodied, you know, what we didn't know we wanted. So I think that that was my most recent challenging wedding that I did that I can think of.
3: You know, as someone who just got married, I have so much appreciation for that story and for your work. Because of that, you know, you are always whether it's a parking lot. Although I know you're not taking pictures of parking lots, but oh, I am. <laughs> <I'm trusting> you. <laughs> you find a way to make everything look luxe and glamorous. So, future well, brides, take note. <laughs> it's because there's no excuses. Yeah. You know,
2: the the client hires you for your expertise, mm-hmm. and you know, in order to demand a certain dollar, you know, if I want to call myself a high-end wedding photographer, I have to be able to deliver every single time, even if things are not going plan A, B, C, or D. Like if we're on plan Z, plan Z better look as best as, you know, as good as plan A would have been right. from, you know, a third party looking in that would have, wouldn't have known what was going on on that situation. So I've had, you know, times where equipment has failed on me, um, where lighting has failed, where weather's not going right, where, you know, the, the client's attire, you know, malfunctions where hair and makeup doesn't show up. And now I have to do the hair and makeup. You know, there's situations where you just have to step up and, you know, make, the client happy as, you know, as much as you can, you know, again, I'm not Superwoman, so I can't create miracles everywhere. But,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, know, like,
2: you can put me, you know, in a dark hole. And as long as I have the right lighting equipment with me, I can create, you know, I can create something beautiful.
3: And what would be in like your must have toolkit for emerging photographers, if they want to do what you do, and they want to be able to, work some magic when things go not as they're supposed to go (laughs) What, what needs to be in their emergency toolkit
2: um i would say a backup of everything as far as you know you shouldn't just rely on having one camera you need a backup camera because what if that one camera fails you know have your backup same with lenses um have a backup there and um having just the proper tools like it's hard to say like what specifically you know but for me like my main go to you know i always have two bodies on me i always have some lighting tool whether it's a reflector whether it's a flash whether it's an led light you know the my iphone you know the the light from my iphone something that if i need to do something indoors or if it's dark you know i can illuminate somehow I think those are the, you know, the most important tools because in photography, light is everything. So if you can create light, then you can create a photograph.
3: Now, what has been the most surprising part of becoming an entrepreneur? Getting paid so well. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, you're like, I can, I can exceed my salary. (laughs) Like, what was I doing? (laughs) You know, it's
2: crazy because you know my best friends you know are lawyers, and doctors, um, accountants, you know these high-end careers you know that command you know high-end dollars. and honestly, you know 10 years ago when I started, I never thought you know I would be you know making if not making more than what they're making you know and I'm doing something that, I truly love to do as, you know, as tedious as it is sometimes and it's long hours, you know, I just got back from vacation and I'm sitting here, you know, editing, you know, for hours because, you know, I'm on deadline, but that financial, you know, kind of reward is quite nice and it's not something that happened overnight. So I don't want you to think that, oh, you know, I'm a photographer today, so I can charge, you know, this much it didn't start that way. You know, I started from the bottom, you know, kind of how they say started from the bottom that we're here. Um, you know, I started charging $50, you know, for a session, then it was $150 and it was $300. Then it was $500, you know, and slowly I've made my way up. And the only reason why I've been able to command a certain amount is because my work and my consistent work shows it, you know? So when somebody comes to me and they're like, Hey, you know, um, I want maternity pictures. You know, they know that they're going to get something. You know, something that's beautiful and that's something I
1: can deliver on. You know, time and time again. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
3: Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America NA. copyright 2024. Where do you see yourself going in the future? What does that look like for Amy as you think of scaling and you think of only being one person right now?
2: Um, I do want to bring on other associates. So right now I am grooming somebody that hopefully can, um, she's already strong, you know, but hopefully, you know, she can become even stronger, you know, if not surpass myself Um, and that she can, you know, command her own weddings as the lead and then kind of go that way. I'm not sure as far as where the business is going to go, you know, say 60 years from now, because again, Amy Anais is me, you know, people hire me because of me. So it's hard when like as a photographer to say um, kind of where I see, you know, the business going on that end. I'm not a studio as far as like these, you know, big house studios that has, you know, like 10 to 15 photographers under. And that's not something that I say I would never do because maybe I will. But right now, I don't think that's in the cards for my business specifically. Um, I am venturing a little bit more into the studio side. So kind of going back to my roots as far as like that fashion photography roots, but with a little bit of a twist. Um, so I am venturing into that. So, you know, maybe I will open, you know, a few studios. Um, but we'll see, that's kind of where I am right now. I'm kind of taking it day by day. I don't take, you know, my success right now for granted. Um, I definitely count my blessings every day Um, and and I'm trying not to, you know, ever become complacent, you know, just because, you know, you tell me, you know, oh, you're such a wonderful photographer, it doesn't mean I can't stop growing and learning and just expanding my
3: creative knowledge. Exactly. Now, I brought that up because I actually can see you in the education space for other photographers. And I was just wondering (laughs) if that was something that crossed your mind. (laughs) It is, it has been, um,
2: it has been crossing my mind. And I've had um, a lot of people ask me when I'm gonna host a workshop. You know, I've done quite a bit of, you know, speaking engagements. And it's definitely in the, in the near future um i i'm definitely thinking about it but i want to do it a little bit differently than i've seen it done i want to be able to truly teach people and guide people and mentor um, people fully you know and not just it be you know a workshop that you come to for a day and then you leave and then that's it you know i want it to be something that i would truly like connect with individuals and kind of can mentor them you know throughout Just like I had mentors, you know, when I came to New York and, you know, even though it wasn't, you know, photographers, all of them, you know, who mentored me, you know, I've had people that have really stayed, you know, stayed with me. Even now, 10 years later, these people are still in my life, still mentoring me, still guiding me. And I want to be able to do that for others as well. So it's definitely something that is in, you know, hopefully in the near future.
3: All right. Okay. So now we're going to transition into the lightning round where, you know, you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I am. Alrighty, Okay. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with a side hustle pro audience? Booking software.
2: Um, I use one called TAV, which is T A V E. And it has literally transformed, you know, my organization as far as how I organize my clients and, you know, my bookkeeping and all of that. So it keeps it all in one nicely done kind of interface. Uh, So when a client reaches out to me, it goes in there. So I know when the inquiry is there, it adds it to my calendar and it kind of just keeps everything streamlined. So I'm one of those people that If it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist because I can be quite forgetful. Um, So the booking software has definitely, you know, changed my life as far as just keeping me organized and keeping me streamlined. So it's definitely something that I recommend to anyone who is taking on clients and, you know, has invoices and contracts and all of that because it's a nice place where you can house everything and it'll just streamline everything for you.
3: Okay, number 2. What's been the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year? Um, honestly, it's not
2: really a podcast. I hope I can get away with this. But anything that includes Brené Brown. It's funny because a friend of mine told me about her a few years ago and I kind of, you know, didn't really pay mind to it, but I stumbled upon one of her TED Talks a few months ago and like she's literally like changed my life. Um, She's a researcher on vulnerability, um, empathy, and shame, and she's really kind of just changed the way that I approach people, I approach conversations, um, I approach, you know, disagreements or anything like that. Um, mostly because like, you know, when you're growing up, you're taught that like vulnerability, you know, if you're vulnerable, it means like you're weak, you know, so you have to really protect yourself. But she's really taught me that, you know, vulnerability is the birthplace of, you know, authenticity. It's what, you know, it's what gives you the courage to choose to be, you know, emotionally honest, you know, create boundaries, exercise, you know, compassion to nurture connections. So it's just really her research study and like being able to listen to her. And I, you know, I probably listen to one of her either Ted talks or, you know, other podcasts that she's featured on, you know, weekly, you know, cause she's, um, she's featured a lot and it's, um, made me really realize that it's okay to stay true to no one, but myself, you know, that I don't have to take on jobs that you know, compromise, you know, how I feel about things or just compromise. Again, I keep saying authenticity, but, you know, I think that the key to my successful business is really the fact that I've 100%, you know, remained authentic to myself and, you know, to what I think, you know, is right and wrong.
3: I love that, and I, I am a big fan of Brene Brown. So she's she awesome? awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome sauce. I will link to a couple of resources in the show notes, guys. Okay, <laughs> number three. What is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business?
2: Well, I think a personal habit that I didn't realize that I do, but I do, kind of thing. I've realized it in my later years as I've become, you know, older is that each morning I, when I wake up, I go and like, I just sit, you know, either on the couch or in my spare bedroom and I just sit there and I just sit in calm, you know, and I just let myself have, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes of just like Silence, you know, where I can just gather my thoughts and just think about things and like not have, you know, any distractions of, you know, my phone or the Internet or the TV, you know, and just sit there, you know, in calm and stillness. And I think that that's kind of what keeps me centered and what keeps my spirit centered as well. Um, is just giving myself that time to just be calm, you know, so I can approach each day, you know, with a fresh face, you know, a fresh point of view and just take it from there.
3: Okay. And number four, who is a woman that you admire and why?
2: I would say the most recent woman who I've come across, who I love and adore is actually my neighbor who, um, has become, you know, quite dear friends. She's actually become one of my business partners as well. Um, and her name is Dami and she is actually a stationary artist. So she has her own business. She's in the wedding photography, well, in the wedding business as well. And really I admire her because she's a mom, she's, um, she's a wife and she's really the embodiment of being like a girl boss because when I say she does it all and she does it, you know, with a smile on her face and sometimes I'm like, how do you find, you know, the hours in the day to get these things accomplished? You know, she's a mother of twin boys and, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what's going on in her world. You know, she'll make sure that, you know, she celebrates every achievement, every moment, every holiday. And she's one of those people that like, When you say, you know, that saying, like, when I grow up, you know, I want to be like, you like, when I grow up, you know, I want to be, you know, a little bit, if I can be even be an ounce of, you know, the way she is, you know, just and how she embraces life, it would just be amazing.
3: love it. And then finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are scared of losing that paycheck?
2: I would say is to build your tribe, Um, and a tribe is not just your friends that are around you, you know, you have to build a tribe of like-minded people, you know, who truly believe in your success, who believe in your business, who believe in your goals, who believe in your vision, um, who'll cheer you on, you know, when you succeed, but also pick you up when you're ready to throw in the towel. Cause being your own boss, it gets lonely. Like I'm sitting here in my office and I'm all by myself, you know, and Having my tribe is what has really pulled me through the darkest times of my career trajectory. You know, there hasn't been a lot of dark times, but there's some times when you're really down in the dumps and, you know, you don't. Know if you can, you know, really do it for another day. And they're the ones that will remind you, you know, of why you started, you know, of why you're doing this in the first place. So, and they're also the ones that will give you the hard truth when you don't really want to hear the hard truth, but they're the ones, you know, that will let you know, like, hey, you know, you need to do this better. Or, hey, you know, it would be really great if you did this, you know, but they're coming from a place of love, you know, from a place of encouragement and from a place of wanting to see you succeed. So I would say building your tribe is, you know, and that's what's, you know, helped me the most is having my tribe around me.
3: I love it. Now, what is the best way that folks can connect with you after this episode?
2: say Instagram, you know, is probably the easiest way. Um, my Instagram is Amy Anais photo. Um, and, or, you know, through my website or email, you know, I'm always available just, you know, shoot me a line and it might take me a day or two to get back to you, but I
3: definitely will reach out back. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being in the guest chair. Thanks for having me. Of course. And there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, Do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.